see uh, go to a children's church. Uh, Miss Evelyn will take you if you want to go. And, um, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be several places this morning, but we're starting start Psalm 42. If you want to turn there, I would encourage you to do so. And uh, before we look at our message this morning, let me remind you, I should be praying about something. Four weeks from today, we'll have our fall revival. Uh, it'll be October 10th through the 14th, I think, uh, whatever that Wednesday night is. Uh, Brother David Crow, who is the director of our uh, North American Ministries Department of, uh, for Free Will Baptist, we uh, we know it as home missions, but they change the mission. You know, so. Anyway, he's the director of home missions. He'll be here with us. He's uh, Alabama native and uh, I think he's been here before. Uh, he seemed to remember uh, being here. And so uh, but we're looking forward to him coming again. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but Brother David is a tremendous preacher. So start praying now um, for those services. And go ahead, put it on your calendar, because if you don't, you will have the, right now you say, you know what, I don't really ever do anything on Monday night, and I don't do really anything Tuesday night, Wednesday night I go to church. Can I tell you, I'll guarantee you something, if you don't put it on your calendar, and make the determination now that you're going to be at church that week for revival, all manner of friends and family and work obligations will come out of the closet. Uh, for October the 11th and the 12th and the 13th. Uh, and so you go ahead and you book now. Uh, so you know what? On October 10th, October 11th, October 12th, and October 13th, I'm going to be at church um, and begin praying that God would speak to you um, and uh, invite somebody. There may be somebody that you know that is not where they ought to be with the Lord would be a good opportunity for you to invite them to come and join you. Uh, don't just invite them to revival, but you be sure you're going to be here too. Because it's that's kind of embarrassing when somebody says, "Oh yeah, I'm, I know so and so. They invited me to come, and so and so's not here." Uh, and so, uh, but you come to revival, you invite folks to come with you, uh, and most importantly, ask God to speak to you uh, and give uh, Brother David the messages that we stand. Uh, in need of. We're going to have a blessed week, and I'm looking forward to it already, and, and I hope you'll join me in prayer um, with that. So uh, this morning is our fourth and last series in uh, the Bible. Uh, we've been talking about God's Word, and if you've missed any of the messages, you go back to Facebook and watch them, or uh, you can listen to them on uh, Spotify or um, you know, whatever podcast you listen to your podcast on. Uh, you can find them there, uh, or you can go to our church website and you can find uh, it there. Um, you know, God's Word is needs to be, in your life, a, a prized possession. A prized used possession. A prized used and applied possession. And I hope we're seeing that uh, this uh, month as we've talked about uh, God's Word. And you know, Tiled Nuts helped me to hunger after the Lord. 
And I tell you that nothing will help you hunger after the Lord more than reading His Word and knowing Him. The more that you pray, the more that you read your Bible, the more you go to church, the more you walk with God. Guess what? The more you want to. The more you hunger and thirst after things so that you, like uh, the words of um, the, the psalmist here, uh, it was written by one of the sons of Korah, and, and it simply says this. Verse 1 of Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? If you read the rest of this psalm, it's a psalm of... of really internal struggle because things are not going well. There, there, it seems to uh, the sons of Korah that God has abandoned them, that they're not seeing Him move like they desire for Him to. And so he begins and he closes the psalm with the realization that despite our circumstances, God is there all the time. And how we know God and how we have the assurance that He's there is through the faithfulness and the study of His Word. God reveals His character. He reveals His ambitions. He reveals His goals between the covers of this book. From Genesis to Revelation. We started by looking at 2 Timothy 3 where, where Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is given by God and his prophet. And, and we talked about how that means that it's the very breath of God that, that these are not just mere pages on paper, but rather they're the very words of God. And so it's important that we know them. And so the... The psalmist, the, whoever the son of Korah was, whichever son it was, knew and understood that even as he longed after God, the secret for making it through life and the secret of seeing God move and work in your life is hungering after Him. And so the, the, the psalmist's prayer in the psalm, and what I think our prayer should be is, Lord, Give me a hunger for you. Some of you have you know, uh, been on diets, and maybe you're on a diet now. You've probably been on one sometime in your life. And most diets, this is what they do. Don't eat bread and don't eat sugar. And that, those are my two weaknesses. You know, I'd be a skinny little rail uh, if it wasn't for bread and sugar. But I love bread and sugar too much. And that's my downfall. But here's the thing. When you're told you can't have something, guess what you want? You want what you can't have. And our bodies are, are conditioned and, you know, we, we come to this where we need nutritious food, but we get fast food and snacks and stuff that's fried. And we all know stuff that's fried tastes a whole lot better than stuff that's baked or broiled. 
And fried catfish is a whole lot better than broiled catfish. You go to the fair. The fair's coming up in a few weeks. The fair, they have deep-fried Oreos. Oreos are good on themselves. You know what? They're even better when there's some batter on them and they're deep-fried. They're just better. But here's the thing. There's nothing better for you as a child of God and more nutritious than God's Word. We need to hunger after God's Word. And that was what the sons of Korah, the psalmists, they were the leaders of worship, they're the worship pastors for the children of Israel, said, you know, Lord, help us to hunger after you like the deer is out running, and man, they're panning after the water brook. Help me to pant after you. And what refreshes the deer as they're out and they're hung, you know, thirsty is a good, cool drink from that brook and stream. What we need, and the only thing that really can fill the longing that's in our life, is God himself. Well, how do we know God? He's not something tangible. We can't touch him. Can't feel him. But we know he's there. And he wants to know us. And more importantly, he wants to know us to know him. He knows all about us. He knows all about us before we even were a twinkle in our mama's eye. He knew us. And he knows all about us. He knows your successes. And he knows your failings. And listen to this. Even though that he knows your failings, he loves you. And he wants you to know him. And even though he knows your failings, he gives grace and mercy. Well, how do we know that? How do we have a hunger after the right things? Because we all know that we should hunger after carrots and broccoli, and, and probably even carrots and broccoli would be a lot better if they were battered and deep fried. I'm just guessing, but I'm betting that they're probably a whole lot better that way. But listen. We know that, listen, we need those vitamins that are in carrots and broccoli and vegetables, you know. That we know that. We know we need that. It's good for us. But we know that sometimes, you know what, fried, deep-fried Oreos and deep-fried cheesecake are a whole lot better tasting than a sprig of broccoli. And you see, this world has programmed us so much that as much as we know that we need the broccoli and the carrots, we'd rather go pay $10 for a deep-fried Oreo. But which is better for us? Well, the carrot and the broccoli is better for us. And so, what my point in all of this is, is that we need to understand that God's Word is the nourishment. Peter says it this way. Peter says, does, tells us, he echoes the psalmist sediment when he says in uh, chapter 2, verse, or 
chapter 1, verse 2, he said, desire, seek after the sincere milk of the word. In other words, desire the, the true and the pure things of God. And that should be the desire of your heart. And we've talked for three weeks now about the importance of God's Word. Well, so now you know that it's important and that we're supposed to live it out. But how do we do that? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. And I want to suggest a few things that will help us as we seek to hunger after the things of God. And I want to suggest to you that one of the most important things you can do, you already know what it is, study God's Word. I didn't say just read God's Word. I said study God's Word. Take your Bible and look at 2 Timothy 2.15. It will be on the screen. If, if you, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. What's Paul talking about to Timothy? What's the word of truth? It's the Bible. It's God's word. He said, study to show yourself approved. In other words, take it. Don't just read it and say, oh, that's a good thought and go on with your day. Rather, dig into it and think about it and meditate on it. Maybe take a scripture and not just read it in the morning, but you think about it through, through the entire day. Study God's Word. Ask questions of it. And you know what? Here's the thing. When you ask questions of God's Word and you study it, guess what? The answers are going to appear. Because the questions are in God's Word, but the answers are also there. And here's another thing that God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to understand the Scriptures that we can't understand. But if we're not studying to start with, how on earth, you know? It's just like the teacher. We've got lots of teachers in our church, and I'm thankful for that. Guess what? There's not a teacher that can get their kids to learn something they're not willing to learn. You know, Leslie's got a lot. She loves math and science and social. She's teaching social studies and math. She knows a lot about math. If you have a math question, don't ask me, ask her. She knows a lot. She, she knows it better. It just gives me a headache. I think I've told you that before. But, but she loves that math stuff. And as much as she knows about that, and as much she's got these third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that need to know math. But if they're not willing to open up their book, and they're not willing to say, hey, uh, Mrs. Baldridge, how do I figure out this crazy problem Leslie's not just going to give them the answer now she'll help them get to the answer but she's not just going to give it to them that just doesn't teach them but if they're not willing to open the book and they're not willing to ask the questions and they're not willing to do the work are they ever going to learn math? no they're going to you know I don't even remember where it was now but I was somewhere and had given them uh, you know, they said so-and-so, you know, how much ever the bill was. And I gave them some money, and they put the wrong amount in the register. And they didn't know how to, to figure it out. 
They said, oh no, that, that's not good. And, and chances are that whoever that young girl was, you know, she didn't take time to learn. And not that teachers didn't try to teach her, and she, but rather she didn't ask the question. She didn't learn it. And so she wasn't even able to do a simple problem like making change. Well, that's a serious thing. But can I tell you, it's even more serious with spiritual things. And I tell you, there are a lot of people that can take God's word and twist it. And I mean, people over history have made God's word say some crazy, wacko things that certainly God didn't intend. And people buy into it. I remember in, 2000, in the year 2000, there was a yo-yo that had convinced thousands of people that the world was going to end on, you know, when January 1st rolled around. People quit their jobs, sold their houses, and moved to Colorado where this yo-yo had this farm. And they were all going to you know, be there together, I guess, for the end of the world. Well, guess what? The world kept spinning. And it will keep on spinning until the Lord comes back. But that fellow had used God's word to convince people. Well, what does God's word say? When you study scripture, and Seth comes up with this crazy, he say, Seth comes up and he says, you know what? The, world told, the Lord told me that the world's going to end next Saturday after the Mississippi State game. They're going to lose, and then the Lord's going to come back. Well, it says we're to say that. You know, we said, well, he quoted a Bible verse. He's going to seminary, so maybe we ought to believe him. But guess what? If we've studied God's word, we know Jesus said no man, including Seth Romines, knows the day or the hour. I've added the Seth Romines part. No man knows the day or the hour, except for the Father. And so if we've studied the Bible and we know that Bible verse, when somebody comes and tells us something contrary to God's word, we know they're yo-yos. We know they're not. We know not to listen to them. But if we've not studied God's word, we can very easily be led astray. Listen, it's important for you to study God's word. You know, there are lots of, of tools. I've got some tools that can help you. Uh, you can... You know, a, a good study Bible and a, just starting somewhere, you know, and spending a little bit of time. You know, I've been studying um, Mark. Mark is a relatively short gospel. But I've been working on it for about a year and a half now because I just do a little bit at a time. And sometimes, if you study it, you can get into a verse or two for a while. it's good for us to do that. It is good. Can I tell you something? That the time that you spend in God's word will benefit your life more than anything else you do in life. And so study God's word. Secondly, 
meditate on God's word. Don't just study it. Don't just read it. Meditate. Meditate is not this new age meditation thing where you just empty your head and just see what pours in. No, it's med- when we talk about meditating, it's we're talking about sitting and thinking about what does this verse mean? And what does it mean to my life? What are some applications of it? What are, what are some implications of Jesus saying, unless a man hates his father and his mother and even his brother and sister, he cannot be one of my disciples? Well, if you just read that verse and you pluck that out, and you're in trouble if you don't do some further investigating about that, because Jesus' point was not that you were supposed to hate and you know throw away your family when you become a, a Christ follower. His point was that he had to be first. He had to be number one. And by the way, I think he intends, and Scripture bears out that God should be number one, but family should be a close second. But Jesus' point was not that we do away with our family, but that God becomes the number one thing in our life. He becomes the CEO. He becomes the thing that our world revolves around. And when God is what our world revolves around, guess what? We become a better member of our family. You know, when God fathers, when your world is revolved around God, you become a better father. And moms, you become better mothers. And children, you become better children. But when, and I know some families where the children rule the roost. That's not good. That's not the way it's supposed to be, if you didn't know that. Leslie one time had a parent tell her, well, I just can't get him to behave. He doesn't want to. What? Uh, I know my mom never questioned it. There were times I didn't want to behave, but she made sure I did. She had ways and tools at her disposal. Listen, friend. God has to be number one. And when God's word, when we study it, we've got to take time to think about it and let it soak into our life and say, you know, how does... How does that impact me? When we study and when we meditate and we think about God's word, there's some changes that God will call us to make based on his word. But if we don't take time to think about it, we're not going to make the change. And we're going to miss something that God has intended for our life. So take a look with me in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to read them from the ESV. Uh, It says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. What's that? That's studying the word of God's law that came from Moses. God tells Joshua, you think about that. You don't veer from it from the left and you don't veer from it from the right that you might prosper. Verse 8, 
the, law of the, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosper, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have uh, good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so God says to Joshua, hey, be of good there. He's about to send them into the promised land, and they're going to divvy up the, you know, that land. And so God repeats this command, be strong and be courageous, several times just in those few verses. And when Mrs. Baldridge repeats something over and over and over again to her kids, what does that mean? It means, hey, even the ones that ain't too bright understand that, hey, listen, I better pay attention to this. And so God had repeated this command, be strong and be courageous. Well, how do I do that? You're careful to observe God's law, God's word. And you don't depart from it from the right or the left. And you'll find your path, path prosperous. So you think about it. It's not that we, you know, God desires for us to move to a mosque somewhere. And, or a, not a mosque. A, a, where am I trying to... Uh, monastery, yes. Not that we're supposed to move to this monastery and just spend our whole day praying and in reading the scriptures. But rather that as we're going through our day, as we're working and as we're going through Kroger and, or Walmart and getting our grocery shopping done and when we're fixing meals and when we're you know, having family time. and In other words, all throughout the day and everything that we do, we ought to be, scripture ought to be impacting every area of our life. And if we're meditating on God's Word, if we're thinking about it and applying it to our life, our way will be prosperous. Not that monetarily prosperous, because that's not always the case. But prosperous in the sense that, listen, every need you have will be taken care of. And the problems that come into your life and the things that seem like they're insurmountable, hey, when God's in charge and you're not, you don't have to worry about those things. God takes care of them. God works it out. Sometimes the way God works it out is by giving you direction to something you're supposed to do or not do. God will use his word. Remember the scripture say, my word will not return void. God's word will accomplish God's purpose in our life. And then lastly, let me leave you with this. Yes, you ought to study God's word. You ought to meditate on God's word. And let me suggest to you one last thing. Memorize God's word. Memorize it. Preacher, what on earth are you talking about? Well, the psalmist said it this way. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Listen, I know, know this, that there may be some scriptures that don't really seem to apply to you right now, but as you've memorized them, your brain is like a computer. Now, some of you, you're on that DOS computer, you know, that old, you know, so it's not very fast, and it's, you know, but it's still there, and it, man, it can file away some stuff. Some you know, younger folks, they got these new, you know, Pentium and Intel chips that super quick. But by the way, they'll find out those super quick chips, they'll slow down sooner or later, too. But here's the thing that what's so amazing about how God has designed our brain is that once something gets in there, it doesn't get out. Though sometimes we may have trouble pulling it up because our processor, you know, but here's what God's Spirit does. You may be going through a hard time and you've memorized a scripture like Psalm 46, 1, it says, The Lord is a very present help in time of trouble. And you've learned that scripture for some reason along the way. And you've thought of, not thought about it for years and years, but trouble comes, and guess what's going to happen? Psalm 46, 1 is going to come to your mind. You remember that it says, You know what? God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. I don't know how it happens, but that's how it happens. It's happened to me. It's probably happened to you, too. But guess what? If it's not in there for the Holy Spirit to pull it up out of our memory, it's not going to be there to help us, is it? And so let me challenge you. Regularly, as you're studying God's Word, and there's a verse that really sticks out and speaks to you, memorize it. Spend that whole week just going over that one verse. So that when the need comes, it'll come back and you can use it. How do we develop a hunger for the things of God? We study God's Word. We meditate on God's Word. And we memorize God's Word. I've challenged you to memorize God's Word. I'm going to give you some homework this week. Let me challenge you this week. Work on memorizing John 3.16 this week. If you haven't memorized it already, if you've got it memorized, it's in your bank already, pull it back, dust it off, and pull it back up. But next week, we're going to say that verse together. Uh, so you have seven days from today. So you'd start today. It's just a short verse. But can I tell you, it's a verse that every child of God needs to know. And next week, you'll hear and find out why I wanted you to memorize that verse. Because it will go along with the sermon uh, next week. Uh, that will apply John 3.16 next week. But you have to know it. So memorize John 3.16. You say, well, preacher, what, what ver I don't care what version you memorize it from. You know, if the King James, you know it and you love it, why then you go memorize scripture from it. But if you don't really understand King James English, you find something that you do understand. I read today from the English Standard Version. It's a newer version. It's very good. There's tons and tons of good English Bible translations. 
Here's the best Bible translation. I taught this, I taught this to some of you a few months ago. Perhaps you remember what the best Bible translation is. is the one that you'll read. You know what? So if, you know what? King James speaks to you, and that's what you love. You go on and you read it, brother. You go on and read it, sister. If you, somebody gives you a King James Bible and you don't really understand it, you find you something that you do understand. And hey, there, you come to me and ask me, I'll help you find one. There's plenty of others here that will help you find one. Um, now, there's some bad ones out there, so don't just willy-nilly go out and you know, pick one. But uh, There are plenty of good English Bible translations written, written in you know, different reading levels, uh, written for different audiences. And listen, find a Bible that you can understand and read it and apply, to, apply it. And memorize it. So what verse are you going to have memorized by next Sunday? John 3.16. All right. So, and make sure that you come. If you don't come next Sunday, I'm going to call you at home. And I'm going to say, all right, what's the memory verse? Uh, and so uh, John 3.16 uh, is a great. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, our prayer is that you would create in us a hunger for you and a hunger for your word. Lord, help us to rightly divide it. That we would be a workman that does not need to be ashamed. Lord, we talked about this morning, as we've wrapped up this series, the importance of your word. But Lord, we're reminded that your word does not have any effect if we don't live it, if we don't apply it to our lives. Lord, help us to study your word, not just for studying's sake, but so that our, word, that our life, our lives, our service can be transformed by your word and by your spirit working inside of us. Lord, help us to be men and women who hunger and thirst and are known for being students of the book. Lord, one of the most important premises of your word is that you love us and that you sent your son to die for us. And if there's one here today or there's one listening on the internet have never trusted in you, God, would you help them today to receive the greatest gift and what the central focus of all of God's word is, and that is that you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life, that whosoever would call on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, help us who are saved be people of the book. Help us to live what your book says. Help us to be a light. As this book is a lamp to our feet, as the psalmist says. Help us to be your hands and feet, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. What can make the change in your life? What can give you a hunger for God's word? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.